Ready to go home? Yeah. Mixed reviews. There's something about camp that uh, it's, it's really the most special part. But if we're, if we're not careful, we can think that this can't happen at home. Here, here's what I mean. You've come to camp and it's been awesome because camp is like a buffet of food and your parents aren't here telling you what to do and there's a store with lots of candy and your counselors are super nice. Unless you stay up till 1 a.m., then you see their grumpy, grumpy side, right? <laughs> you don't have to shower. And, and what happens in our brains is we, we get this attachment to what's going on here. Like, like, if you feel closer to God as a result of being here this week, raise your hand. Okay, perfect. All right, ready? If you had your hand up, look at me. That doesn't have to stop. In an hour and a half, you're gonna get on a bus and go home, and the work that God has done here can continue. There's a formula to camp, and it's really not anything profound or innovative. The formula for camp is, we're gonna spend time in God's word every day, we're gonna spend time praising and worshiping him through music, and we're gonna do so in a communal environment that is free from the distractions of everyday life. You can do that when you go home. Remember, when we talk about God, we're talking about the sovereign supreme creator of the heavens and the earth who sees, knows, and loves you. He desired so much to have a relationship with you that the word teaches he became flesh. He lived as one of us. He walked as one of us. He lived a perfect, sinless life, ultimately going to the cross to become the atonement, the payment, because God is just, the payment for our sins. The Bible teaches that the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. In fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus went to be crucified, there's this beautifully vulnerable moment where Jesus is talking to the Father and he says, God, if there is any other way, please let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That cup represented the wrath of God to be poured out on him to be the propitiation, the atonement, the payment for the sins of all mankind. And Jesus went, and he died, and three days later rose again, showing that he has resurrection power. That's the God that you have a relationship with. That's the God that some of you have a newfound relationship with. That's the God whose, whose relationship that you have is the single most important thing in this world. It is the only source of hope. It is the only source of joy. It is the only source of our ability to make sense of this world that is dying and fleeting every single day. Press into that as you go home. This morning I wanna to talk to you about our last kind of attribute of God that we're gonna, we're gonna dive into for just a couple of minutes before you head home. And it's this idea that God speaks. That God speaks that he has something to say. Pray with me. God, this morning, our last chapel together, we come to you hopeful 
and anticipating that you'll do just that, that you'll speak to us. God, would you help us to know and understand that what's happened here doesn't have to stop because we leave camp, but rather we can be set up. We have everything we need to live a godly life. Would you help us to view you and the things of you as as those that are the most important things in this world. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. I know I've shared and opened up a lot with you guys about a lot of different parts of my life, but there is one more piece to me that um, I wanted to share with you, if it's okay. And uh, it's, it's something that means a lot to me, and it's a hobby that I have. And here's the hobby that I have. I love hunting. I love hunting. I don't know what it is. I understand that that makes some people uncomfortable, but for me, I love taking the life of an uh, innocent animal and eating it. Like, I don't know what it is. It's just something I really enjoy. Uh, Bunnies, birds, deer, you name it, I love to eat it. Um, I'm kind of being facetious, but you know, one day I was hunting with a friend of mine. His name's Mike. I was hunting in a, in a new area um, that I hadn't been to, a new part of the forest that I had never gone to before. And he said, hey, what we're going to do is there's two roads. You're going to take the lower part of the road. I'm going to take the higher part of the road. And it goes on for, uh, should be about a 45-minute, two and a half, almost three miles of walking. And any animals that are above will get pushed down to you. And any animals that are below will get pushed up to me. And I'll meet you at this part of the trailhead, and then we'll double back. And I was like, great. And he goes, but because you haven't hunted here before, and the trees are big, and it's getting dark, here, you take this walkie-talkie. And if you get into any, any kind of trouble, just, you know, just radio me. No big deal. And I'm like, great. So I grab my backpack, I grab all my things, and I start walking down this trail. And like 15 minutes goes by, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but sometimes you just kind of get lost in your thoughts, and you, you sort of have that moment where you're like, well, where am I? Did I already get to the part of the trail where he said, wait, the sun's getting lower. I don't have cell phone service. Like, as a grown man, I'm going, I'm lost in the woods oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And so I keep walking, and this narrative starts playing in my head. You, you got on the wrong trail. Like this thing starts happening where my mind is getting fearful and playing tricks on me. I have, like a, I have a watch that has like a little navigation deal on it uh, for like hiking or golf, and I'm like trying to pull it up. Like, where was I before? How did I get here? And I'm like, I can feel my heart rate getting higher by each passing step on this trail. And I get to this part of the trail, and I have fully and completely convinced myself that I am lost in the woods. Now, here's what's funny. I wasn't lost in the woods. I was exactly where I was supposed to be. But I had let the fear of being in an unfamiliar place trick my mind into thinking that I was lost. And so there's this, like, survival technique that you use when you're hunting. It's called the rule of three. If you're in any danger... If you have any kind of emergency, you, you fire your weapon three times in a row, and it, it's almost as if to say, SOS, there's an emergency. And so I'm so worked up, I go, you know what, I gotta do it. So I go, boom, 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 I, I, I unload my weapon three times, boom, 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 and I sit down, and I'm like, <sighs> and then I hear this. Corey, was that you? I had a walkie-talkie right here the entire time. (laughs) Like at any moment, I could have talked to my friend and said, hey, am I in the right place? 
but I let fear and uncertainty and doubt drive the way, and in doing so, not only was it an unsuccessful hunt, but I felt really silly when we got back to the truck. Like I just, it was like a very quiet ride home. Have you ever had that? Maybe you get in trouble at school and you're just looking out the window. Here's why I share that. Life works the same way. There's gonna be moments in your life where either decisions you make or decisions others make that impact and affect you brings you to this place on the road of life where you feel alone, where you feel scared, where you feel filled with fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And as a result, you're gonna convince yourself that you're alone and you have no help. And here's what I want you to remember, you have the God of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator and maker of everything with you always. You're never alone. And it's not just that God's presence is with us, it's that we serve a God who is continually, forever, revealing more and more of himself to his people. Now there are two primary ways where God will speak to his followers. Two primary ways. The first way that God is gonna speak to us is through the power and working of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna talk about that in a second. The second place that God is gonna speak to us is through his written word. Through the Spirit and through the word, we can hear the very voice of God speaking to us, leading us, and guiding us. Turn with me to John chapter 16. Let's talk about the spirit for for a second. John chapter 16. We're gonna start at verse eight. Sorry, verse seven. It says this, but very truly, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, to his followers, to anyone who would listen. He says this, but very truly I tell you, It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is is sharing with his followers the events that are about to ensue in their lives. He says, hey, I am gonna go. And if we read on in the Gospels, we know that Jesus ascends to heaven and the word teaches that he's seated at the right hand of the Father, preparing and making a place for us for when he calls us home. Like there's gonna be a day where the trumpets sound and the skies open up and Jesus returns in glory to gather up his church and take it home to the dwelling place that he's been building for us from the foundations of the earth. A place where there's no more fear, a place where there's no more tears, a place where there's no more sin or sadness, a place where the glory of God illuminates the heavens forever and that's our home. But, In the meantime, he's given us his spirit to speak to us. He says, it's better for me to go. It's better for me to go because if I go, I can send to you the helper or the advocate. We we talked a little bit about that the other day. Verse eight says, and when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. 
He says, hey, there's a purpose that the, that the, that the third person of, of the Trinity will have in your life, and he's going to reveal to you things about sin. He's going to reveal to you things about God's character. He's going he's to become a helper, a counselor, or a, a guider in your life. Now, here's a question. Because sometimes when we can't see something, we automatically go, well, then it's not real and it's not in my life. Uh, Many of you raised your hand a minute ago and said, I learned something new about God this week. That happening has nothing to do with my ability to communicate scripture. It has nothing to do with the wonderfully produced film that we watched. It has nothing to do with the incredible band that we've been worshiping alongside of this week. It has everything to do with the Spirit of God revealing deeper truths about himself to you. That word is called revelation. And when you position yourself in such a way to hear from God, he has something to say to you because he's in a relationship with you. Does that make sense? So so I would say it this way. There are times in life where you're going to go, God has been silent with me. Let let me be very clear. Will you hear the audible voice of God like they heard in the movie? Maybe. But the odds are higher in my own personal experience and those who I have got to shepherd and lead that God is going to teach you things through understanding and applying and positioning yourself in scripture and in community. Like God will reveal things to you as you're reading the Bible. He'll reveal like, hey, maybe I shouldn't be doing that anymore. I'm in sin. Or hey, maybe I need to talk to that person because they've been on my heart every time as I've prayed. I'm going to give them a call or I'm going to shoot them a text. Or hey, maybe at my church or at my school, I need to step into serving because as a result of reading this passage where Jesus says, do everything without complaining or arguing, but, but in prayer and in petition, consider the needs of others as more important than yourselves. I think what I need to do is I need to set myself up to serve people. God speaks to us through his word. And when we believe ourselves to be hearing God speaking to us, if that voice is telling you to do something that is contradictory to the written word of God, it's simply not God. It's not God. Like the Bible becomes this place where we can kind of fact check our convictions, where we can hold true to the character and nature of God as we interact and experience him within the context of a relationship, the One of the ways, not the first, not the foremost, but one of the ways that God will continue to speak to his people is through the spirit. The second place is gonna be through the scriptures. Now, the Holy Spirit indwelling our lives is a massively important piece because it helps us understand the truths of scriptures better. Like there's times where I'll pray and I'll say, Holy Spirit, please help me understand what I'm reading. Holy Spirit, please, as I read through this passage, help my brain to, to retain and my soul to be conformed to the character and nature and image of God that I'm reading in these pages. Help me. And the Spirit does just that. In fact, the, the, the word says this in the book of 1 Timothy. I, I would imagine that most of us have heard this passage, but let's read it again in light of what we're talking about this morning. Sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 say this. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture is God-breathed. It is inspired by God himself. It's a tool that he has given us to help us understand his story and our story and ultimately the redemptive plan of God to restore a relationship that was lost 
many years ago in the garden. Let me ask you a question. Who's like the most loved person in your life? Like who do you love the most? Someone tell me. Did you say Sherpas? Your grandpa, that makes more sense. I was like, Sherpas are cool if you're climbing a mountain. Uh, your dog? Mom, grandpa? Dads aren't getting any love, yes. Oh, just stretching, that's okay. Okay, mom, sister, all right, come back to me for a second. Don't, don't get too lost, ready? So let's say, let's, let's take your mom. All right, let's take your mom for a second. And let's say, let's say your mom wrote a biography about her life. Now, it didn't contain everything about her life, but it contained everything you needed to know to understand why your mom is the way she is. Told you where she was born, told you a little bit about her parents, told you about her hopes and dreams, what she studied in school, what her favorite subject was, told you about the time she was maybe harassed or bullied and how she responded to it. Maybe it, it shared the story of how she met your dad, of where you came into the picture, of, of the joy and excitement that your mother had when she found out that, that you were conceived and the process of nine months of what she went through to make sure that you were born a healthy baby. The details that went into the nursery when they brought you home. What it was like when they, when they had to change your diaper for the first time, or what it looked like when you took your first steps, the joy that overflowed in her heart. Is that a book that you would want to read? Why? Because it helps you understand your mom better. The Bible is quite literally that in relation to who God is. Again, it's exhaustive, it's deep, it's a book that you can study your whole life and still find out new things. It also doesn't tell us everything about God, but it tells us everything we need to know to be in a relationship with him. If you find yourself wanting to know and understand God better, go to the book. If you're finding yourself wanting to know and understand the depths and the beauty and the story, and the character, and the nature of who God is, this is where we go. This is a book that was written, Timothy, Paul tells Timothy for, for a few purposes. He says, for teaching, that's what we're doing here. Rebuking, that is to say, hey, you're not living right. Here's where we see that in God's word. You need to change, you need to repent. Remember, repentance is saying to sin, we are never, ever, ever getting back together. Correcting training in righteousness so that, here's the purpose, the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The spirit helps us understand God's word. That's why in Matthew 4.4, when Jesus is being tempted by Satan himself in the desert, he says, hey, I'll turn all these rocks to, be, to, to bread and you can eat whatever you want. And Jesus goes, uh-uh. No, I, I don't live on bread alone, but I live on the very words that come out of the mouth of God. That's what sustains me. That's what gives me hope. That's what gives me joy. That's what gives me purpose. That's what gives me guidance. That's what gives me correction. It's not a TikTok video. It's not a cheesy live, love, laugh sign that your mom found at Hobby Lobby. No, we live on the very words of God. That's what sustains us. That's what keeps us going. That's not to say people don't have good advice. That's not to say that there's not wisdom. But when it comes to what I'm gonna build my life upon, it's the words of God. Because Jesus himself said, that's what sustains us. Some of you really don't like your mom's signs that she has, that's awesome, okay. <laughs> let, me, let me end with this passage here. Turn with me to Matthew chapter seven. 
on the topic of God speaking, look at what Jesus says in this parable. It's called the parable of the wise and foolish builders. It starts at verse 24. Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, these words, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Not Dwayne Johnson, okay? We're not talking about the rock, we're talking about bedrock. When I was a kid, my grandpa lived on a, on a big hill overlooking the ocean, and he had a swimming pool in his backyard. And from the pool, you had like a 180 degree view of the ocean in San Clemente, California. It was beautiful. Like sometimes you could see whales coming by. On a clear day, you could easily see Catalina Island. It was awesome. Well, I remember I came over one day and the pool was empty. I was like, Grandpa, what happened to the pool? And he said, well, uh, I'm, I'm getting it repaired because the, uh, the slope is sliding and it cracked the foundation of the pool and all the water drained out. And so what they had to do was they had to come in after the house had been on this property for 30 years and they had to drill these big holes underneath my grandpa's house and they had to pump thousands upon thousands upon thousands of tons of concrete to create bedrock for his home because it was falling down a mountain. That is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying that, hey, if you are wise, you will build your life upon the rock and the rock in this instance are my teachings. He says, you're like a wise builder. He says, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. There's gonna be times in life where the storms come. There's gonna be times in life where, where you have conflict with your friends. There's gonna be times in life where school kicks you in the tail. There's gonna be times in life where circumstances completely outside of your control utterly destroy your way of life. A marriage falling apart, the death of a loved one. Jesus says that if you're faithful to build your life upon the bedrock of my teachings, the primary and principal truths that I lay out for you, when those storms come, you won't slide down the hill because you'll have a firm and focused foundation that is built upon the unchanging truth of who I am. As God speaks to us, we as his followers have to be faithful to put that into practice. As the spirit of God reveals to us both things about ourselves and deeper knowledge and wisdom and understanding of who God is, we have to build our life upon that. He goes on to say, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. How many of you like going to the beach? What do you like to do at the beach? Surf. Put sand crabs down your dad's bathing suit. Skip rocks. One time my son, uh, my son and I had this awesome idea at the beach where we, like, we dug a little hole and then he laid in the hole and I put a towel over him and I covered it with Cheetos. And like no more than 12 seconds later, he was sw like swarmed by seagulls. And I said, now! And he pulled the towel over and he caught a seagull. It was awesome. 
So you can do that, and I'm gonna pray and we're gonna head home, I'm just kidding. Well, uh, here, here's the thing that I know to be true about the beach. When you go to the beach and you wanna dig a big hole, is it easy or hard? Is it easy or is it hard? Let me, let me ask the question the same but different. Is it easier to dig a hole in the sand or in the rock? It's easier to dig a hole in the sand, isn't it? It's far easier to dig a hole in the sand because there's no resistance. Because sand is, is soft. Because sand doesn't have uh, the, the firmness and the density that a rock has. In fact, it's incredibly hard to dig a hole in a rock. Like it's so hard that you need dynamite to actually move and get that rock out of the way. What Jesus says is don't take the easy road of building your life in sand. The temptation to build your life up in a way that is easy will not yield your results when the storms come because you took the easy road. He says, rather take the hard road. Build your life upon my word. Build your life upon my teachings. He tells us this is gonna cost us everything. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and pick up his cross daily to follow me. Jesus says, if you wanna come after me, quite literally, you have to die. You have to die to yourself. You don't get to be your own God anymore. I have to be your God. That's a hard way to live. But Jesus says if you're faithful to do that, if you put the time in, if you're diligent, if you, if you work and train and, and discipline yourself as a follower of Christ to spend time with him, to pray to him, to spend time with his community, that is the church, to serve others, to practice silence, to practice solitude, to share your faith with others. Jesus says, that's how we build our life upon the rock. Storm can't touch that. Because like we talked about last night, God fights for us. It's God's battle, not our battle. So here's my, my question to kind of close our time this whole week together. As you go home, how do you want to live? Do you want to live as someone who now has deeper understanding of the holiness, of the justice, of the love, of the presence, of the sovereignty, and of the fact that God speaks? Or do you want to go home and live the same way you did before you came here? Do you want to go home and build your life upon the sand? Or do you want to discipline yourself now as a young man or a young woman to build your life upon the unchanging foundational truths of who God is? The choice is yours. First Peter tells us that we have everything we need to live a godly life. You're not too young. You know enough to begin to grow in this journey and in this relationship with, with God Almighty. There's this guy named Pete Gregg. He's from Great Britain. And he had this quote I thought was so beautiful I wanted to share it with you. He said that the king of kings requests your presence at the very seat of government. He offers you a permanent place on his executive team so that you can influence his actions on behalf of the nations. It is an unspeakable honor, yet we are often too busy, too disbelieving, or too insecure to accept the greatest invitation of our lives. My friend, the journey that you are on with God is the greatest invitation of your life. This journey that you are on with God is something that holds the utmost of importance in your life. Be diligent with it. 
Expect and hope for God to speak in your life. And when he does, respond in obedience because that's your author, that's your maker saying something to you. Put yourself in positions to hear him speak. Spend time in his word. Spend time praying. Be faithful to go to church. Sit under the teaching of of a church. The church is this beautiful thing that God has established for us to continue to grow and have community in. Give to others. Love others. And watch the transformational work of God play out in your life. Philippians chapter 1 tells us that we all, for all of time, he, he says in Philippians 1, he says that we are being transformed and conformed more and more into the image of God. And this is how that happens in our lives. We sit and we listen, and when he speaks, we continue to build our life upon that. This has been an incredible week, and I want to say thank you so much for your time and your attention. My hope and prayer is that God has taught you something so that as you head home, life can look different. Let me pray, and then my time with you is over. God, thank you so much for this week. Thank you for these students from Southern California all the way up to Northern California. God, they came to a science camp. And as is the case with anything that we hand over to you, God, you made it so much more than just a science camp. You made this a place where people got saved and put their faith in you for the first time. God, you made this a place where relationships were formed and went deep. God, you made this a place where people discovered more about themselves as they spent time with you. I pray that you would have and hold these students, their counselors, their schools. I pray, God, that you would continue to to work and speak and mold and shape the lives of all of us as we seek to follow you. This is the last time that we'll all be together in this room. This moment will never happen again. And so we long for the day where we get to spend time with you for all eternity and glory. In the meantime, I pray that you would sustain us and that you would help us to live for you. Thank you for being a God who speaks. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen.